You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the awesome presence of God. What a joy it is to greet you in the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We give him praise. I'm so thankful to be here today. This is certainly a grace gift. Preachers are never popular enough or prepared enough uh, to stand before God's people. We're not gifted enough or cute enough to stand before God's people. I only stand before you today because of those twins called grace and mercy. And so I thank the Lord that he continues to place his treasure in trash cans. Please allow me to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the Christ-like hospitality that you have demonstrated to this Texas preacher's kid. And when you're in the Lone Star State of Texas in the all-American city of Dallas, It will be my high honor to repay the hospitality. Thank you again, Dean Andrew, for your brotherly love and for your extraordinary leadership. I honor you and your five-star team. And thank you so much to Emily and to Victor and to Carolyn and all that have made, Sue Ellen, that have made this experience memorable. And thank you to my fellow preacher's daughter, sister in the ministry, Deborah a pastor's pastor. And thank you to each of you, my brothers and sisters. There is a word from the Lord today. I won't keep you too long because there's some good food calling once again. Thank you to those that prepared the meatloaf and cherry bean salad that blessed this little girl. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, meet me in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. And thank you to my fellow Beeson Divinity School classmates and friends, advisory board family members that are present. I was introduced to this luncheon series, preaching series years ago, when I heard one of my best friends who is present today, Tal Prince, preach right here in this pulpit. And I honor you, Tal, and thank you so much for your brotherly love. Dr. George, Timothy George of Beeson Divinity School and Dr. Smith are my heroes, and I'm so thankful to stand where they have stood. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless us, refresh us, and challenge us in your word. And thank you for the Advent, a place that all people can call home. In the preeminent name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. Amen. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If you're taking notes this morning, let's simply tag this text, press on. Press on. I remember needing someone to tell me to press on years ago at Beeson Divinity School when my father passed away only 45 days after I moved to Birmingham. I remember being diagnosed 
uh, with some conditions here at Beeson. And it seemed to me that the most logical decision was to pack up and to go back home. And Dr. Robert Smith Jr., my father figure and mentor said, Kokesha, it will be difficult to earn a Master of Divinity degree with a broken heart dealing with the death of your father. It will be difficult to handle a four-year Master of Divinity degree with some of your recent medical challenges, but I want you to know you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And when one person said, don't do the four-year degree, do the two-year degree. It won't be so hard on you with all of your challenges and grief. Dr. Smith said, my daughter, press on. And I want to tell someone today that may be broken where I was just 10 years ago, wanting to tuck tail and to give up. God always completes what he begins. Press on. Hudson Taylor, pioneer missionary to China, said that Jesus' words in Mark 11:22, have faith in God could be translated, hold on to the faithfulness of God. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, former pastor of London's Westminster Chapel, appreciated Taylor's insight and said, faith is holding on to the faithfulness of God, and as long as you do that, you cannot go wrong. Faith does not look at the difficulties. Faith does not look at itself or at the person who is exercising it. Faith looks at God. Faith is interested in God only, and it talks about God, and it praises God, and it extols the virtues of God, the measure of his knowledge. He knows God so well that he can rest on the knowledge and it is the prayers of such a man that are answered. I came from Dallas, Texas to say in this season of Lent to press on. And Paul urges us to press on in this text. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's unpack that and we'll be on our way from this place. As we said yesterday, so that you can get back to work on time, I'll provide the skeleton and you put the meat on the bones. What does it mean when Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? You ask the best questions at the Advent. When Paul says, for me, he is telling us that this is a personal declaration. This is a personal declaration. Gil, my brother, I honor you. We exchange emails encouraging each other through the years. And I'm so thankful whenever I see his name pop up in my inbox, I know it's a personal statement of encouragement and affirmation to me. And I enjoy doing that for him. But not only do I receive personal declarations from friends who love God, my dad had a personal declaration. If you live at 1358 Bar Harbor Drive, you will do what your parents tell you. Anybody remember growing up in a home like that? And when we got to the ages of 15 and 16, when we can start dating, I remember my dad said, all of my children that are at the age to date, you will be in the house by this time. And I said, oh man, all of my girlfriends have a curfew that's much later than that, daddy. This person can stay out to midnight and this person to 2 a.m. And my dad said, well, that's good, but I'm not their daddy. And as for me in my house, my children will obey this curfew. I'm so thankful that Paul is saying, I don't know about you, but as for Paul, this is my personal declaration. 
I'm so thankful that we not only see a personal declaration, the seasoning is also found in the Bible where it tells us, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a personal declaration of Paul. What makes this so simplistically profound? Because Paul is a hitman turned holy man. Paul was a terrorist of Christians, and when he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, Jesus changed his life forever. And as I say in all of my sermons, here Paul gets the chance to deadbolt the end of his life experience by saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because he remembers who he was before he encountered Jesus Christ. And now this statement is his thank you. It's his appreciation for the transformation that Jesus Christ made in his life. For me, it's a personal declaration, but the text keeps moving. For me to live is Christ. What does it mean when Paul says, for me to live is Christ? He's saying, when I inhale and exhale, it's Jesus Christ. In fact, he's saying, may the Lord Jesus Christ be supersized in my life. Deborah, when I was growing up, I remember loving Happy Meals. I was so happy to get the cheeseburger combo with the Happy Meal and the toy. But Tal, when I turned 10 years old, I remember saying, uh, Mama, the, the, the Happy Meal's not going to cut it any longer. I'm a growing girl. I think it's time to be promoted to a quarter pounder with cheese. We don't have time to talk about how I have to rebuke number three with an orange drink even in my 40s. But I remember needing to graduate from a happy meal to a supersized meal. And I just came from Texas to say, Paul is saying at the end of his life, may Jesus Christ be supersized in my life. And I want you to know that trouble comes and knocks on all of our homes. But Jairus shows us beautifully in Mark chapter 5, when trouble knocks on the door of your experience, find Jesus and fall at his feet. And here Paul is ending his life saying, guess what? It doesn't matter if I go home to be with Jesus, the object of my worship, or if I stay cramped in this jail cell. Because you can put me in jail, but you can't jail the gospel. And I don't know what you're going through on today, but sometimes life pressures us. All of us should be a candidate for the show Snapped. All of us should have a therapist. All of us should be wondering how we have made it. I don't know how I graduated from Beeson Divinity School without snapping, writing a book for my dad, learning that I had some physical challenges, having a broken heart. But I know for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if God allows things to come into my life, I have the assurance and the promise of his presence to press on. What he's saying here in this text is, if I go to be with Jesus, I win. And if I stay in jail, I win. Because I continue to tell people about the gospel in jail. And even if I pass on the gospel to false prophets that pimp the gospel, the gospel can still be expanded. I wish I had time to unpack that, but I got to catch this plane on today. Some of us know false gospel 
gospel preachers. Some of us know prosperity preachers. Nothing irritates me more than to see people pimp the gospel. How do we charge people $5,000 to preach a gospel that's free? How do we trick people into believing that if you don't send this ministry $200 a month or if you get sick that God has turned his back on you? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And even if God allows sickness to come into my body, if he allows me to be ostracized and marginalized, I still win because even in death it's not a period, it's only a comma. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I, I'm a foodie. I, I love preaching, but I love going out to eat. I love Snickers. I love Reese's Pieces. I love M&M's. I love Starburst. It doesn't matter to me if it's sweet. I will love it. It doesn't matter if you give me Hershey with almonds or just dark chocolate. What he's saying is it doesn't matter if you let me live or if you kill me because both are equally wonderful. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is a personal declaration and a profound estimation, but there is also a promised destination. And that's good news for me because I've had to walk to the casket to say goodbye to my father. And because of a strong theological upbringing and because of my hope in Jesus Christ, I knew this wasn't the end for my daddy because like Billy Graham said just a few weeks ago, one day you were healed that Billy Graham has died. But don't you believe that? Because I'll be more alive than ever in the face of Jesus Christ. Why can we press on? Because trouble doesn't last always. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. People are fickle, but God is faithful. Hairstyles change. Fingernail polish colors change. Your Sunday school teacher will change. Your health changes. Your appearance changes. But Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You can rely on the faithfulness of God. How do we know? Because this is the same God that turned chaos into cosmos in Genesis. This is the same God that took a little girl named Hadessa and made her Queen Esther. You can trust the faithfulness of God. This is the same God that knew that uh, Malachi would end with the question, what would we do now? But it would be answered in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew. You can trust the faithfulness of God. Advent Church, don't be so busy working for Jesus that you miss Jesus. Lenten season is a time for us to calm down and to encounter the king that we preach and teach about. You can rely on the faithfulness of God because this is the same God that allowed Jesus to go to Golgotha's hill. And aren't we grateful that he didn't let that bitter cup pass? Because in that cup, he saw Kokesha Bailey Robinson. In that cup, he saw the advent and he saw Dean Pearson. He saw more than that in the cup. He saw Beeson Divinity School and generations to come of gospel proclaimers. He saw Deborah in the cup. He saw my new friends here in the cup. But what else is in the cup? He saw justification in the cup. 
He saw adoption in the cup. He saw faithfulness in the cup. He saw reconciliation in the cup. He saw redemption and salvation in the cup. You can trust the faithfulness of God. And that same God allowed Jesus to go to Calvary where they hung him high and stretched him wide. He hung his head and for you and me, he died. No greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Friday was a day of devastation, but Sunday morning, I couldn't understand why black preachers got so happy about saying early one Sunday morning, Dr. Sterling, he got up with all power in his hands. I couldn't understand why my dad would sweat so hard and jump in the air and say early one Sunday morning. He got up with all power in his hands, and now I know why my daddy got so happy because I will be sick in this life, but there is an eschatological hope that a day is coming when I'll never be sick again. I will sin in this life, but a day is coming when sin will no longer be my enemy. I will die in this life, but the day is coming when death will have to die. God is faithful, and because of his faithfulness, we can press on. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I've seen. All I've needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.